This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you would like more information about Christian Chapel, please visit christianchapel.com. This morning, Pastor Chris will continue our Advent message series, Jesus Changes Everything, by exploring how the arrival of Christ in our world changes our fears. Thanks again for spending part of your week here with us at Christian Chapel. My name is Brian Helsey. I grew up in a blended family. My mom had two children from a previous marriage before she met my father. I attended a Lutheran school and went to the Lutheran church on most Sundays. I was baptized as an infant, which is customary in the Lutheran church. I have no memory of this moment. What I do remember is hearing about God's character, that he loved me enough that he sent Jesus to die for me. I remember singing hymns in the choir and participating in the Christmas programs each year. My life was surrounded by Christian influence. When I was with my friends, though, I was accompanied by fear. I was afraid of going against what I had been taught. I was afraid of going against God's word. I was bound by fear. In the spring of my freshman year in high school, I attended a retreat called Teens Encounter Christ. I remember watching as the teenagers prayed with expectation like someone was really listening. They raised their hands and even danced when they sang. They were happy and joyful. It's as if they knew the God they were singing to. I saw freedom I had never known before. I thought to myself, could I actually have a real relationship with God? but I was still bound by fear. In November of 1981, I attended a concert with some friends. At the end of the concert, they had an altar call. I knew I needed to walk down. It was this night I prayed the sinner's prayer. The fear I had been bound by for so long, it was gone and it will never return because I know God cares for me. He listens to me, he loves me. And if that fear tries to enter my life, my amazing, powerful, and merciful God, he will destroy it. And he will always raise me back up to life because he loves me. And he will always be there for me. Jesus changed everything. I love Advent uh, for several reasons. First of all, I love it this year because we're getting to hear stories like Brian and Rennie. Next week, we'll hear from Nick Stoffel of just how Jesus really changes our whole experience of life. 
uh, and, and comes in really personal and powerful ways to deal with the stuff that, that's inside of us and with the stuff that's happening outside of us as well. So I love that. I also love it because every Sunday we just, there's little fun elements like that, that Trans-Siberian Orchestra song, which um, I, don't, I don't know what it says about me, but I, uh, I just live vicariously through those guys when they do that. I don't have really a, a musical instrument. I tried to play the guitar once. I felt like my brain was going to explode. Uh, but when I watch like Ryan and Brandon and Floyd and their fingers do so many different things at the same time, and I don't, I don't, God didn't wire my body that way. Like 10 fingers have to do the same thing at once. You know, it's why all my gestures, you never see me gesturing like this, right? Because it's, it's always this or this or th- it's just, I don't know. Uh, so I love, 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 love watching that. And uh, I also think part of it is um, there is just enough redneck in me uh, that like a, a screaming electric guitar, pretty sure that's what heaven sounds like, you know, just that little, I don't know what that was, Floyd, but the high one at the end, that one, Yeah. That's it. So I love, love all of that. It's just so much fun. And if you don't love it, uh, I'm sorry you're not a fun person, but maybe, um, maybe for Christmas this year, Jesus can give you joy uh, to, to enjoy some stuff like that. But no, I know there's all kinds of different tastes, so we, we appreciate all the time those guys put into it. But uh, the thing I really love about Advent is just the opportunity it gives us to reflect on the change that Jesus brings to our world with his, his arrival with the way he continues to come, and with the way he will one day come. And so today we're going to look at how Jesus comes and changes our experience of fear. And if you have a Bible, we're going to look at uh, 1 John 4 here in just a little while. Um, But how many of you, are there any of you who enjoy being scared, right? Like you're the kind of people that go to haunted houses, you like scary movies. Some of you, yeah, I don't I don't know. There are only, yeah, one or two in each service who kind of admit to that and uh, feel like we should offer counseling appointments for you afterwards because there's not, there's just, I, I don't enjoy that. I don't know a lot of people that enjoy it. I don't really enjoy being scared at all. You know, that, that kind of startled, I wasn't expecting that. But as much as I don't enjoy that happening to me, I love doing that to other people. You know, like there's just, I remember as a kid, the goal of, one of the goals of my life uh, was to get my dad to scream when I jumped out from behind something, because I could get, there were four kids in our family, and I could, I could scare my sisters, no problem, you know. Uh, Mom, she was a pretty easy target too, but dad, it was like his nerves were made of steel, and you would like jump out, you know, try to crawl under the bed and reach out and grab his leg when he wasn't expecting it, just anything you could to try to get that, uh, sound out of your dad. And uh, I, I should have known, like so many things in life, I now reap the reward of that with my own children. Like they, uh, my boys especially, they think the, the funniest thing in the world is to scare people. And so if they ever come to church with a black eye, you'll know uh, or their sister finally had enough. And she just... Just or their mom, maybe. Uh, but uh, so they'll they'll do that to me. Like it's the same with them. They can get Audrey, they can get Angie, but they really want to get Dad. And so they'll just sneak around corners and all sorts of things. And and uh, you know, it's it's now the goal of my life to never give them that satisfaction. You know, if I want them to be convinced, Dad's impossible to scare. Uh, they still get me a few times. But it, I was thinking about that this week, probably about the hundredth time that one of the boys jumped out and Audrey screamed and then got mad at them. Uh, but thinking about those, those experiences in my life where I've been, there haven't been many of them, but where I've been legitimately afraid of something. And the, the one that came back to mind when Angie and I, when I was in seminary, we lived in Springfield, Missouri. 
and we had a house that had the attic over the garage and it had one of those uh, like fold down ladders, you know, some of you might have those at your house. So there was one day I was, uh, I don't remember if we were putting up Christmas decorations or just storing stuff, but I was up and down out of the attic several times in and out of the house and I had left the, the ladder down the whole time. So I'd made a couple trips and I, as I was coming back out to make another trip up, I heard little uh, like feet moving around in the attic. You know, not so heavy that it was something big, but definitely heavy enough that it's clear this is not just a, a mouse or, or something like that. And so I, I went up kind of cautiously with this big Rubbermaid tub, and as I set it down, I see two eyes pop up in the insulation, like off the floored part of the attic. And uh, it def- like I, I screamed a little uh, and went back down, and my first instinct was, I'm going to get a shotgun, and I'm going to take care of it. And then, thankfully, thankfully, I remembered we own this house. Like there, there's no part of me shooting in the attic that it turns out well for our long-term investment here. Uh, so, so I went down and got a shovel. And I get the shovel and I go back up with the determination that, uh, you know, there are two living things, me and whatever that is, and only one is coming down alive. And I don't know what it's going to be. But I saw the eyes and I saw it was bigger. And so I, I don't know what I thought it was. But I go up and I'm just kind of creeping around the edges waiting for that thing. And I'm just, I'm going to get it. And thankfully, it was a little ways back where I couldn't reach it because it popped up and I was able to see it a little more clearly. And it was our neighbor's stupid cat (laughs) that had climbed up there. And I'm not a cat person to start with. So there was still part of me that was like, uh, you know, but again, good neighbor, you know, like, how do I take that over to them? Be like, sorry, he scared me. Uh, You know, there's, and we're moving too. Don't worry. Like, uh, you know, watch your kid. He's scared. no, you're like, you know, there, there's just no way that conversation goes well. But I was so keyed up in that moment of like, I, I didn't know how to get the cat down without using the shovel. Uh, so I did what every man would probably do in that moment. And I, I made my wife do it. Um, and she went up and just did the here kitty kitty and it came to her and she held it. And it was, I, I didn't under, it was covered in insulation. And, and, but that whole experience and, and a few that I've had like that in life of that just being completely caught off guard, completely startled. Like that's one kind of fear that we all deal with. You know, and then there are some of those deeper uh, level fears that, that we call phobias where you are just um, shockingly afraid of certain things or certain behaviors or certain places. And so this week I was reading through just kind of what are those most common ones, you know, because there's all those weird phobias. Like Angie was telling me about one last night where uh, people have phobias of toenail clippings, um, which, I mean, when you think about it, that's a legitimate thing, right? Those are nasty, disgusting. Why would you, like I discovered a new one I didn't even know I had, but James, if you'll help me run through these real quick, these are the top six phobias that American adults suffer from. And so the sixth one, if you'll throw that up me, is, or for, throw it up, is astrophobia which is a fear of thunder and lightning, like an overwhelming fear. And I don't think probably anyone here would suffer from that because you just, you're not going to survive in Oklahoma if you have this phobia. The fifth one, um, again, I don't know anyone. Maybe there is sinophobia, sinophobia, I don't know. Fear of dogs, mailman mailman phobia. Uh, The fourth one is a little... It's hard to, to understand at first, but it's agoraphobia. It's a fear of both crowds and of open spaces. And so when I was thinking of this, I thought the worst thing in the world for that person would be like a Woodstock type experience, you know, like a large crowd in an open space. But as you read more about it, it, it has to do with like uh, people who they feel like they always have to be able to escape their setting. 
And so in a wide open space, they hate it because they feel like there's no way out. And then in a big crowd, I mean, maybe this is like uh, the serial, fear of serial killers or something. You know, like I always need a way out and in, in some spots you can't. The third one I think is a little more common. Uh, acrophobia, fear of heights, anybody? Got that one? Yep, yep. So all of you who have that, you probably don't have lights on the outside of your house this Christmas, right? Or you paid somebody to do it. The second one I think is very common for most of us, ophidiophobia, fear of snakes, right? And it, it, reading about that one, it said one-third of American adults say that this is a, a real thing for them, which for me makes me wonder what's wrong with the other two-thirds of American adults because everyone should shit. Like, there's nothing normal about people who like snakes, right? You ever see someone with a snake wrapped around their neck? You know they had a bad childhood. Uh, like, there's just... There's, there's a story there somewhere, and it's not a happy one if they have like a 30-foot boa constrictor living in their house. Uh, and then the first one, which I think is totally legitimate, probably everybody, arachnophobia, fear of spiders, right? And if you have that, this is how you react. There was a spider. I panicked. I think it's gone now. I burned the house down, but I think it's gone, right? So these phobias, if you suffer from any of those, um, I don't mean to make fun of you too much, maybe a little, but not too much. Uh, but when you even see those or you start to think about it, like your pulse might pick up a little bit. If, if it's a real thing, you might start to get some sweaty palms, get a little anxious, a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, but even those phobia fears, typically, if you have that, you've learned to kind of manage it, not deal with it. It's not typically a, a life-controlling thing. Um, but the, the fears that I want to think about this morning, not, not necessarily when you're just kind of scared because something startles you or these kind of phobias, weird or normal, whatever they are, but I really want you to think about the fears that you have uh, that really are, are related to the things that are close to your heart. Because I think what we often find in our life is that the strength of our fear is directly related to how much joy and love we experience in a certain relationship or job or your health or, or anything else. And the closer something is to your heart, typically the more fear you have about losing that thing. And when you, when you start to talk about those types of fears, then I think those are the fears that really do impact the way we see God. They impact the way we see ourselves. They impact the way we interact with the world. And they can be, can be really difficult for us to overcome. But over all of these fears, both kind of the, the ordinary, the mundane, the trivial, the serious, I think the, the message of Advent is loud and clear to us, and it is do not be afraid. And when you read the Christmas story and the angels are coming and they're announcing the birth of Christ to Joseph and to the shepherds and to Mary, in each of those announcements, they make the statement, do not be afraid. And they, they make it, and now obviously there's a uh, kind of an, an obvious reason the angels say it. When a supernatural being shows up in your dreams or just when you're out watching your sheep at night, there's going to be some fear involved. Like that's not a normal experience. And so the angel's announcement of do not be afraid on the surface is just kind of telling Joseph and Mary and the shepherds, hey, this is weird. This is strange. Calm down. Relax. Don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. And so there's that level of do not be afraid of just, hey, lay down your fears of me long enough to hear what God is going to say through me. But I think then at a deeper level, and especially as you start to read through the teachings of Jesus and you start to uh, read through the rest of the New Testament, what you see is that the absence of fear is really at the core of why Jesus comes. 
He doesn't come simply to forgive us of our sins, but he also comes to drive out all traces of fear in our lives. And the primary way he does that is by assuring us that we are God's sons and we are God's daughters and we are in perfect relationship with him. And if we're in perfect relationship with God, then we have nothing else to fear in life. All else is removed. There's nothing at all to be afraid of. And so for us today, I mean, you might be dealing with silly fears. You might be dealing with serious fears. You might have fears about your family or your future. You might be fearful about what the world's going to look like in 20 years. There might be all sorts of things that you can be afraid of. Or maybe you identify with Brian's story and some of your uh, most serious fears that you're struggling with right now are related to your relationship with God. You're afraid that he doesn't see you or maybe that he doesn't know you. Maybe you're afraid that you're not good enough, that you're not uh, strong enough, that you're not smart enough, you're not disciplined enough, that somehow he's disappointed in you. But again, the the thing I, I hope we all walk away with today is this conviction that the message of Advent to us, the arrival of Christ, what it means is we do not have to be afraid. See, as our, as our Savior comes to us, he begins to reveal to us not just that he comes to forgive us our sins, but also that he comes to drive out all of our fears. And so every time you read the Christmas story over the coming weeks, whether that's with family or you're hearing it, any time you hear this command, do not be afraid, I want you to hear it not simply as the angel's announcement to Mary or Joseph or the shepherds, but I want you to hear it as God's personal command to you for the situation you currently find yourself in. Do not be afraid. But as clear as it is, like really that, that should be the spot where we stop this morning. Just, hey, do not be afraid. That's it. Go home. Let's do that. But we're, we're really, really good. We're experts, actually, at justifying why it's okay for us to be afraid. You know, the same thing we talked about with anxiety a few weeks ago. We can hear the clear command of Scripture, do not be afraid, and we say, yes, but. You don't know the situation of my life. You don't know how difficult things are. You don't know how much bad stuff I've endured. You don't know how much uncertainty there is in my world. You don't know what's happened to my finances. You don't know the health challenges I'm facing. You don't know what's going on in my family. You don't know the state of my marriage. And we begin to excuse our own fear and justify it and say, it's okay for me to be afraid because my circumstances are so bad. But what we have to understand is when we do that, We are elevating our problems and our fears above the power of Christ in our world. At our our core, what we're saying are the things that I'm afraid of are more powerful than Jesus. And Advent is here to remind us, if nothing else, that Christ is stronger that he's over all, that he's above all, that he's in all. And so what that means for our fears is there is nothing I am allowed to hold on to when Jesus comes into my life. One of the most common scriptures that we come across when we start to talk about fear in the New Testament is 1 John 4, 18, where John writes, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. You know, that little statement, perfect love drives out fear. Sometimes it says perfect love casts out fear. Like that's a 
that's one of those like Hobby Lobby Mardell scriptures, right? Like they make that, they put, some of you probably have it on the wall somewhere in your house. That's a, like, if you're looking for a Christian tattoo, that's a good one. Perfect love drives out fear. It's just, it's one of those things that like you hear it all the time and you, you, we just, we can so easily just hear it and think, yeah, that's great. Perfect love drives out fear. But I think for us to really understand what it means, you have to understand the context in which John writes. And so in 1 John chapter 4, uh, if you're struggling with fear especially, I'd encourage you to go home this week and just read through 1 John 4 every single day. Just read it again and again and again. And just let the, the deep truths of that scripture really settle in your heart. Because what you'll see in 1 John 4 is John is teaching us not just that perfect love casts out fear in a generic sense. So, so it's not like uh, I just confess this when I'm feeling fearful and suddenly everything's fine. But in 1 John 4, he's making a case that God is love, that, that God at, at his core is defined by his love for us. And then he goes on to show us how God's love has been made uh, real in the world through Jesus. And he says, if, if we want to know if we really belong to God, if we have really been born of God, then we will know it by our love for God and by our love for each other. And he, he even gets into, you know, if you want to tell if somebody's a, a true teacher or a false teacher, you can tell by their love for others. It plays out in all these ways. And so he goes in these really in-depth explanations of how the love of God manifests in our world, changes our lives on a daily basis. And by the time you get to verse 17 and 18, he's, he's moved from this idea that God in his eternal being is love to God in Jesus is the presence of love in our world to you and I become part of God's family by accepting our place in Christ. And then in verse 17 and 18, he ends with this idea that because God is love, because Christ was loved, because we are in Christ, we are secure now, and we will be secure on the final day. All right, so let's read verse 17 and 18, where John writes, this is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. John writes that because of God's love for us, because of our participation in Christ's love, our acceptance of him as our savior, as our Lord, our choice to move into his kingdom, to live according to his will, he says that means you don't have to have any fear on the day of judgment. And I don't, I don't know how that hits you. I don't know, uh, you know the church backgrounds that we all grew up in, if at all, but that idea of the day of judgment uh, you know, sometimes it's called like the day of reckoning. For me, as a kid growing up, there was nothing pleasant about that thought. You know, I remember uh, youth pastors, I remember being in, in children's church and them talking about one day you're going to die and you're going to stand before God and he's going to hold you accountable for all of the things you've ever done. And I remember being a teenager and thinking, that's not good. And then they would say, and he's going to hold you accountable for all you've ever said. I thought, that's, that's even worse. And then they, would, then they would hit you just to make sure, and he's going to hold you accountable for all the things you've ever thought. And I thought, I'm done. Like, I, I'm just, I'm done. It's over. And they would paint pictures sometimes of, you know, the day of judgment and the separating of the sheep and the goats, and some go to their reward and some go into eternal torment. And how do you know? And then they would pray for us and we would go home. And I would think, I, I don't know. 
And it was a pretty fearful experience. I don't think they intended it to be that way, but that was the way I took it. And John is writing here to tell us that's ridiculous. If you are in Christ, you have absolutely no fear on the day of judgment because you have been made like Jesus. He has given you all of his perfection, all of his righteousness. This is what Advent is about. It's about God's love being displayed in our world through Christ and he takes on all of our sin and all of our shame and all of the bad things we've done and in return, he gives us his righteousness and his perfection and that is how God sees us on that day of judgment. He sees us as Christ. And what John says here is that on that day of judgment, we stand without fear because perfect love drives out all fear. It has no place left. And and so then what that has to lead us to is if the day of judgment is is one of the most fearful ideas a human can think of, this, this idea that we will one day be fully and finally and completely judged for our life on earth, like that's a pretty terrifying experience. But if in Christ we can stand on that day without fear, then what are we so afraid of on this day? What does life hold for you that has a greater potential for fear than the day of judgment without Christ? And the answer is nothing. But yet somehow we we fail to live in that again and again and again. What this means for us is is really profound. It means if we can trust Jesus on the last day, then we can trust him on this day, whatever this day is. This day could be the diagnosis day, and you can trust him without fear. This day could be the day of marriage. You can trust him without fear. It could be the day of divorce, and you trust him without fear. It could be the day of a child's birth or a loved one's death, and we trust him without fear. Because we believe if he will be with us there, then he is with us here. At Advent, we remember the arrival of Christ, the first Advent, the coming of Christ. And we remember the difference that makes is Jesus came, he died, he resurrected, he ascended into heaven, he sent the Spirit to us, he continues to come to us in this moment, and he will one day come for us to restore and renew all things and perfectly and finally drive out fear forever. And if he does that here, then we have to believe he's going to continue to do it for us today. But again, it's, it's so easy to just say, Yes, but you don't, you don't know my problems. You don't know the things I'm dealing with. You don't know what I'm living with. But John makes it so abundantly clear to us. We don't have to be slaves to fear. Just like that song says, we're no longer a slave to fear. Why? Because I am a child of God. Because I've been brought into his family. That's what John tells us. We can have confidence on the day of judgment because we are like Jesus through his work. And so what John is teaching us then is that fear and love are mutually exclusive. They should not, they cannot exist together in the life of a believer. And so that can lead us one of two paths. The one path that leads us down is a a dark one that I think leads us farther away from Jesus. And, And that's you take that idea of, well, fear and love are mutually exclusive, 
and I'm experiencing fear, then it means I am far from Christ and he is not with me. And if he's not with me, then I might as well try to manage this and do it on my own and handle this on my own and just kind of, uh, you know, obviously my fear is proof that Jesus isn't with me. And so we kind of go down this dark road. But what I, what I would encourage you to do instead is to see your fear as an opportunity for redemption. That every moment we experience fear is not proof that God has abandoned us. It's proof that we still need him. And so those things that you are terrified of, those moments that you keep you up at night, that wake you up in the middle of the night, that, that cause you just so much anxiety, those are proof that you need the power and presence of God in your life. And what the scriptures tell us again and again and again is that when perfect love arrives, fear leaves. It doesn't always mean the circumstances change. It doesn't always mean all your problems are fixed. But it means as we gain an awareness of the power and presence of God right in the middle of our fear, it changes our heart. It changes our perspective. You know, the the scriptures are very clear to us that fear leaves when love arrives. And the message of Advent is that love arrives with Jesus. And so then every time we're experiencing fear, every time we're anxious, we need to be reminded that God has provided a way out for us. And his way out in this is Jesus. I mean, this is why he sends him into the world. This is what John tells us in John 16. You know, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. God, when you're afraid, it's not like God is in heaven looking down, snarling at you. Can't, he can't believe you've messed up again. He can't believe you don't trust him. But when you're afraid, God is looking down from heaven. He sees you. He knows you. And his spirit is reminding you, this is why Christ came. For this moment, for this season, for this fear. And fear then becomes an opportunity for us to be discipled and remade in the image of Christ. An opportunity for us to surrender to Jesus. Lauren, if you guys want to come back, I know every time, we, every time we gather together, I mean, there are so many stories. There are a lot of stories I know, and there are many more stories that I don't know. And when it comes to a, a topic like fear, I know for, for some of us, we you feel like, no, it's not really a thing for me. You know, there, there's some stuff that comes up now and then, but I'm able to handle it. I'm able to manage it. For others, either things that have happened to you, things you're going through, the, the fear of what might happen in the future, like fear is a... It's a debilitating experience for you. But my, what I really want to encourage us today is, is no matter where you are in that experience, fear's not really a big deal. Like for me, I don't, I don't consider myself a fearful person. And yet when I, when I stop and I really think about it, I remember all of these moments along the way where I'm afraid of all these things that are outside of my control. You know, I, uh, last yesterday, our kids decided, they'd been on Angie for a few days about, hey, we want to see your and dad's wedding video. We want to see your wedding video. And I, I think it was because they'd seen like Courtney and Jacob's video and some other people had got married. And we're like, okay, but it's not as cool as those ones you've seen. Um, and so we pulled out the, the VHS tape. And they're like, what's that? Uh, well, trust us, it gets better. <laughs> so we popped that in and, and we're, we're watching it. And even in that experience of watching it, I find myself, it's like retroactive fear. You know, like, like uh, 
just seeing family members who've died in the past 15 years or seeing um, couples walk in that have since divorced or seeing people that were mentors in my life who've since walked away from the faith, seeing family members who succumbed to sickness, others who made poor choices, seeing friends who've went off the deep end and seeing that and, and watching it with my kids and it's this weird thing of, of like, somehow I'm actually afraid of things that have already happened and I'm also afraid of how my kids might one day experience those in all sorts of ways. You know, or, or seeing my, like, remember this moment last night, seeing my grandma walk in and being reminded that my grandpa died, you know, 10 years before that. And then my mind goes down that road of, well, he died of Lou Gehrig's disease and they say that skips a generation and I'm not good at math, but pretty sure my mom's the generation between me and my grandpa and he was 62 and I'm 33 so I'm I mean I'm over halfway done and it's it's stupid but it's real and all of these fears come and and the choice in those moments is I can entertain these or maybe I can try on my own to work hard to manage them. You know, maybe I can say, well, hey, I'm gonna start eating better. I'm gonna work out more. I'm gonna try to stay healthy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guard my kids. And all these things are good. But at the end of the day, fear will never finally and fully leave until Christ arrives in our heart. And that's not a one-time decision. Like, it's a one-time decision to enter into this relationship with the Lord, but then it's a daily decision to surrender the fear we have. And what I really want to encourage you with this morning is no matter what fear you have, fears are not a sign that you're broken. They're not a sign that you're weak. They're not a sign that God's mad at you. They're just a sign that you need Jesus, just like the rest of us, just like all of us. And so fear then becomes a moment where we see our need for a Savior. And as we see it, then we join with the shepherds and we join with Mary and we hear the arrival of Christ as good news of great joy for us. That a savior has come for us. That the Messiah has come for us. That he has come to be the Lord over every part of our life. The things we're proud of and the things we're scared of. So the band's gonna finish this morning. They're gonna lead us in that song that, that they introduced a few minutes ago called No Longer Slaves. And as they do, if, if you find yourself in a spot today where fear is a very real presence in your heart, for whatever reason, I really, really, really wanna encourage you to head out those back doors, go to the prayer room, let someone else join with you in believing that Christ's presence is enough to drive the fear out, even in your terrible circumstances. To believe that even if the worst thing does happen, he will still be enough. To believe that even if the future is what I fear, he will be there. May we not let our fear blind us to God's unending presence in our lives. He's always bigger. He's always stronger. He is always coming alongside of us. We bow your heads with me. I just wanna, before we sing, I wanna pray with us. And especially if, if that's you, if you just, you need God's presence to come and drive out fear in your heart. Will you raise your hand? I just wanna know who I'm praying with.
God, you see us. You see those that acknowledge their need and you see those who didn't. So Lord, we come to you today and we see our fear and we see our weakness and we know it's a sign that we need you. So Jesus, come. Come again to us. Come again in your power and your might. Show us who you are and drive the fear away. May our hearts rest in your presence in the midst of difficulty. May we know that you are God with us. That you were God with us before we were born. You are God with us every day and you will be God with us on the last day. And so Lord, may your presence drive out our fear. May we surrender to you and experience your power. In Jesus' name, amen. We stand with us. They're gonna lead us in the song. May we sing it as our declaration of faith that Jesus does make that difference. And again, if you would like someone to pray with you, please head out the back doors and to your left. Thank you for listening. If content from this podcast was meaningful to you, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us at christianchapel.com.